Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Thursday, April 13th. It is five minutes after 10, and you're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. He's Rob Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. We're glad you're joining us this morning. Casey, it is tax time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are a very wealthy person. You make <laughs> lots of money. No doubt you probably owed the government money this year. Wah, wah. Yes, I did. Yeah, and so did I. And um, I don't know if you recognize this, but it is very difficult and or inconvenient to actually pay your taxes. I just wrote a check. Yeah, but what did you have to do with the check? You had to put all your information in a little envelope Mm -hmm. and send it out, and Mm -hmm. you have no idea who looked at it, who saw it, social security number, address, banking information, and again, not to in any way indict or go over the top on the U.S. Postal Service. You know I have the greatest mailman in the history of ever. That's a concern. Will it actually get there? So I, as a paranoid, neurotic person, <laughs> pay mine online. Yeah. And that was, for the state and the federal government, mm-hmm. incredibly difficult. Click this link. No, click this link. No, enter this information. What? Here's your identifiability question. How much did you pay or get back in 2020? I mean, it's ridiculous for a government that lives off money how difficult they actually make it to give you money. And you know what? One thing is almost impossible possible paying online is difficult paying by check you got to send your information out paying by cash is almost impossible i didn't even know you could do that i I mean i assume you could but i never really thought about it you would think of all the things that people the government would want they would want the cash yeah because unlike a check it won't bounce unlike a credit card you can't dispute it it's cash it shows up boom Mm -hmm. we take the money and put it in but it is very very difficult almost darn near impossible to pay in cash And we have the privilege now of speaking to a guy who wrote an entire column. It's in publications across the country right now about his quest on his his undying devotion to Mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to pay the IRS in cash for his tax bill. His name is Jay uh, Jay Zagorski. He is a a professor at Boston University. Joins us now on the drivehubler.com hotline. Jay, how's it going? Doing quite well. And uh, Mr. Kendall, I didn't know how I'd be on on the show. Uh, I didn't know whether I'd be looked at as a fool doing something ridiculous uh, or I would actually be sort of, uh, you would be very sympathetic to my quest to pay cash. We love cash. We are cash people here. Mm -hmm. Everything is going credit. Things scares the hell out of us. So tell us, why did you, why were you so dedicated to want to pay your taxes in cash? I have a number of reasons, and as a business school professor, I'm an advocate for using cash more often for many of the reasons you brought up at the start of the show, Uh, privacy reasons, um, but there's a couple of reasons you didn't mention that I'd like to encourage people to think about while they're driving and potentially maybe using a little bit more cash today. The last couple of weeks, there's been a fairly large number of natural disasters, number of tornadoes through the Midwest. Uh, and electronic transfers with debit cards, credit cards, mobile payments, they're all based on things like electricity and communications. Tornado comes through, wipes out the communication network. Tornado comes through, wipes out electrical network. You cannot use your credit card. You cannot use your debit card. You cannot use your phone to make payments. Cash, it works 
pretty much no matter what the weather is. Yeah. Well, there's a message on All Money that says this note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. Yeah, but Jay, Jay Zagorski is our guest. He's a professor at Boston University. We're talking about how hard it is to pay your taxes in cash. He's got a great column out where he did just that. Jay, you said it was very difficult, even though, as Casey said, it's legal tender. It should be accepted everywhere. Apparently, the IRS doesn't want your money. No. So the IRS, their goal is to be more efficient. Uh, they'd really like to be known as a very efficient agency, taking your money without much overhead. And the goal of the IRS has actually been doing quite well. Over the last 30 years, their cost to collect a dollar of taxes has fallen about 45%. So we actually do have a government agency that's getting more efficient over time. <laughs> There's one! We found it! You found it, Jay! Good job! We did. And let me tell you, in my quest to do this, every single IRS person I talked to was both extremely helpful, quite polite, and sympathetic, but understood that the system is not really set up to take cash. Yeah. It sounds like you have to meet face-to-face with an IR representative to give Uh, them your money. First, I had to make an appointment, and the lady who I made an appointment with on the phone said, wow, I got really lucky. I happen to live in Boston, and there actually were some openings to come down to my IRS office. She said for some other parts of the country, some of her uh, most available appointments were in May, which is two to three weeks after our taxes are due. <laughs> <laughs> so why is it so hard to see an IRS agent in person? Is there, are there just is there not enough of them? Uh, the IRS is chronically underfunded. Congress does not look very good when they give the IRS lots of money to hire lots of staff. So this is one of the most lean organizations the U.S. government actually has. Uh, so they just don't have a lot of personnel. So, Jay, uh, take us through again. Jay Zagorski is our guest. He's a professor at Boston University. Paid his tax bill in cash, which is incredibly difficult uh, to do. Take us through the process. Did you just whip out a bunch of hundreds, said, here's my tax return? How did you actually pay the bill in cash? So first I had to make an appointment, and the lady was quite helpful and tried to dissuade me from paying in cash, <laughs> offering me a number of other alternative methods, such as you talked about using a check, uh, using a credit card, those kind of things online. Um, but I, I insisted. Uh, she then made an appointment for me. And before the appointment, I did not want to be a pain to the IRS in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> there are stories of people bringing in wheelbarrows of pennies. I went to the bank, transferred my 20s and 50s all into crisp $100 bills, exact change to make it as easy as possible. Mm-hmm. I went down, and um, after sitting there for about a half hour, I was told, unfortunately, today they had not scheduled a courier uh, to bring my money to the bank, which was kind of ironic since I had just come from the bank uh, with the money, uh, and that I had to come back. And they had one other cash payer the following week when a courier was scheduled. So I came back the following week, uh, and it took about 30 minutes for them to count my cash. Uh, And unfortunately, because so few people pay in cash, they were using carbon forms. So they're filling things out that way. Um, But I do have a a signed receipt from an IRS agent that said I paid my taxes. Oh, I was going to ask, did you get a a signed receipt in case they could say, hey, Jay's money got lost in the mail? So, Jay, your point was not to be obstinate. Like you mentioned, you didn't want to show up with a bunch of pennies or quarters. You actually just wanted to go through the process of giving them dollar bills to see what it would take. I did. I did. And and once again, as a professor, we try and do these things as a teachable moment um, to sort of understand where the system breaks down and where it doesn't. And what's very interesting is there's something that governs the IRS called the Code of Federal Regulations. It's all the rules and laws, massive books. And in the Code of Federal Regulations, banks are already authorized to accept tax payments on behalf of the IRS. So it is possible. 
possible if there were procedures for us just to be able to walk into a bank's provide a special kind of deposit slip, maybe the one that you could print out online, hand your cash to the bank teller who knows how to handle cash quite quickly, and they just inform the IRS someone deposited, you know, say $1,000 of cash into the IRS bank account, and this is that person's name, social security number. Uh, and it should be relatively simple instead of forcing the IRS to do something they don't really want to do. Jay, you make a great point because, it's as I mentioned to start the show, and our audience has known this for years, I am a highly neurotic, paranoid, OCD-infected individual. So I try to pay everything in person. I pay my mortgage in person. I pay my credit card bill in person. If I can do that stuff, and I do that because I pay, I know somebody gets the money, I know the check doesn't get lost in the mail, I get a receipt that I hang on to. If I can do that with the those things, there really is no reason I shouldn't be able to pay my taxes in the same way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, you you said that there are authorized banks, and because this is a government organization, it's not just, you can't just walk into any community bank. It has to be a specific bank that the government or the IRS says, yes, this is one that's been earmarked to take your money. Right. The IRS would have to have an account, or the IRS already has accounts at various banks around the country. Uh, because they don't want, they want when money is deposited to be deposited all over the country. They don't want all to go to one bank, say in Washington, D.C., uh, which would drain deposits from one part of the country and move it to another. So the IRS and the U.S. Treasury Department have banks, uh, except all over the country. Well, Jay, man, this is awesome. The column, I, I found it over at Indiana Capital Chronicle. I know you're a bunch of different places on this. If you want to look at it when you head over to uh, Indiana Capital Chronicle, I tried to pay my taxes in cash. Here's what happened. Jay Zagorski is a professor. Professor of Boston University. This was great, man. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you. Have a wonderful morning, both of you. Yeah, you too. Thank you. It's 14 minutes after 10. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. When I get over this mountain, 18 minutes after 10, you're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Thanks for joining us this morning. Rob, I don't know if you know it. We have the luck of the Irish. Oh, great. Joe Biden, he's in Ireland. He says he's staying there. Thank you all very much. And I'm not going home. I'm staying here. And this is an incredible place. All you American reporters. Looks just like the White House, right? Yeah, just like it. Good. I hope he stays. (laughs) Right. Forever. Do you think maybe Hunter will stay? (laughs) He's going to drop Hunter off and not bring him back. (laughs) Also trending this morning, Fort Lauderdale, Florida is currently flooded and underwater. They've received 20 inches of rain in 24 hours. There's flooding at the Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. The airport remains closed through at least noon today. Here's a report. And everything around uh, that tower there, especially to the north, that's the north runway at the top of the screen there, it's underwater. Everything is underwater. The airport is closed. They're not, uh, there's no traffic uh, uh, coming into this airport. Everybody is being diverted. You see a fire rescue vehicle here uh, doing a survey as this goes by the, uh, this hangar right here out to the edge. Uh, tr- they're trying to figure out exactly what the next step is because there's a uh, they do have pumps and stuff to pump the water out, but there's actually no place to pump the water. Here you see. So that's a report from WSVN 7 in Fort Lauderdale. Again, that airport remaining closed until at least noon today. Hope you weren't planning to fly down there. And finally trending, <sighs> Joe Manchin. Oh. And country singer Brad Paisley. Uh-huh. They're on the road together. Oh, great. They went to Kiev. Oh, I thought you meant like they went on a little, you know, U.S. tour, maybe had a, you know, eastern seaboard swing or something like that. No, they went a little farther oh, than that. they went to the Ukraine. Huh? Yeah, here they are, singing Country Roads. Here we go. Take me home. 
That's Joe Manchin. I belong. What? It's Virginia. Virginia. Terrible. <laughs> Mountain Mom. Okay, that's enough. Thank you, Kevin. This is Senator. Yeah. I mean, and again, these these senators and Mitch McConnell and Todd Young were quite well. You know, Mitch McConnell was. And as we've said many times, of course, the way it works is Mitch McConnell holds little Todd's hand when he walks into the U.S. Capitol every day. And Todd, with beaming eyes, looks and says, Daddy, what are we voting on today? How are we voting? And so Mitch McConnell, speaking for Todd Young and many other Republicans who stabbed the American taxpayer in the back, said very clearly, uh, Ukraine is our top priority. Mm-hmm. Not you being able to feed your family or put gas in your car, the southern border, none of that. Not inflation being above 5% for 23 months now. Todd Young and Mitch McConnell and many other Republicans, and of course all the Democrats, of which Joe Manchin is one, have made very clear Ukraine is their number one priority. Mm -hmm. So why would they sing Country Roads? Well, because he's from West Virginia. Oh, oh, there we go. Okay, thank you for putting that together That's why I'm for here. me. You're yes. welcome. <laughs> 21 minutes after 10. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. I, w- I was wondering what that had to do with yes. Ukraine. It there had nothing go. to do with no, Ukraine. Absolutely. It had everything to do with Joe Manchin. All right, well, Jim Jordan says that Alvin Bragg is obstructing his investigation. So Jim Jordan now trying to get to the bottom of what Alvin Bragg is doing in terms of trying to jam this gigantic square peg in this little baby round hole as it relates to Trump. And Alvin Bragg, he's, he said, hey, look, I've got some questions. We've got some questions. This is a former president. You know, we think we've got oversight on this. You're using a federal law to prosecute a crime in a state uh, of which the feds have said the crime was not committed. But uh, we'd like to know more from you about what you're doing. And Alvin Bragg has told him to kick rocks. Mm -hmm. And Jim Jordan is not happy about that. Um, This is from uh, Tucker's interview last night with uh, the former President Trump on Uh, weaponizing. Can can you fast forward that a little bit? The first part of that is just Trump Trump talking. Can we just get to the point yeah, where they of course, go? Yeah, because Martha, we, we know the FBI wanted to spy on parents. They wanted to target traditional Catholics, try to get informants within churches. We know that the IRS knocked on a journalist's door while that journalist was testifying in front of our committee, while Democrats were asking who his sources are. And now we have Alvin Bragg interfering and obstructing our investigation into election interference, election interference in the most important election we have, which is the election of who's going to be president of the United States. So never forget what Alvin Bragg did here. He used federal money to indict a former president. I mean, indict a former president. He used federal money to to do that with no underlying crime here. He couldn't even state that at the press conference. And then when we try to investigate, he says, no, 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 we're going to take you to court. And the guy we want to talk to hasn't worked for Alvin Bragg for a year. And he wrote a book on this very subject. That's why we want to talk to him. We actually kind of want to know, too, what was there any involvement with the Biden Justice Department, with the, with the White House, and how this all worked out? So those are the questions we have. But this is, I actually think Alvin Bragg is, is obstructing our investigation, our constitutional duty to do oversight. You did it. No, you did it. No, you did it. It's your fault. Okay, so Jim Jordan is now saying that they're going to examine the city's rampant crime and how they're soft on crime and how New York City has been in decline 14% year over year with homicides. It's just, it's downhill and it, they're going to peg brag for it. Well, 
the whole thing is a joke. The whole thing is ridiculous. The idea that Donald Trump is being indicted for anything is just, I mean, just it just shows how scary the partisanship in the court system, in the Justice Department, in the area of law, which is supposed to be the ultimate nonpartisan basketball court that our whole society depends upon people following truth, regardless of political party. So good on Jim Jordan. I hope he makes the guy completely miserable. Uh, Casey. Yeah. Um, I got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, I did not see this myself. My dad actually sent this to me, and he knows what a big fan I am of this individual. Mm -hmm. And it is just spot on. Um, It is Ron Paul, Mm -hmm. and he is talking about everything that is going on in this country right now, who our government is. He was on a podcast somewhere, not his. He has his own little thing that he does. He was a guest on someone else's. Yeah, and this is so good. And I think people, I really do think people are starting to wake up and see. When when Ron Paul ran for president, I remember in 2012, because he ran in 08 and 2012, and I was a big Ron Paul supporter. And it was the idea, if you supported Ron Paul, oh, you're just this fringe conspiracy theorist who supports the kooky, crazy guy who just thinks we should be able to drink raw milk and everything should be in gold. And the longer life goes, the more Ron Paul keeps being right about almost everything. Mm -hmm. Does he come off a little weird? (laughs) Yeah, but he's right. Do I come off a little weird? Yeah, but I'm almost always right. That's what matters. This is uh, this is really fabulous. You know, there's been a coup that take a we don't have any resemblance uh, to a government that believes in a republic. We don't have honest money. We don't have integrity. We don't even have people in Washington that even pretends, you know, that you're supposed to tell the truth. You know, remember, just recently there was a congressperson that won and he he won by putting on his resume just a bunch of lies. <laughs> and 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 the other ones got hysterical. The other congressman <laughs> Telling lies like this. And I got to thinking, well, how many of these people that were complaining about this guy telling lies, how many of them lied when they raised their hand up and swore to uphold the Constitution? Now, that's a lie that really has consequences. Actually, you could probably uh, make fun and make a little joke because his jokes weren't, everybody knew he was fibbing, but uh, the real lies are, are being told, and, and that is our big problem. But I do believe there has been a coup, and it's been taken over and if I want to, if I can, I want to just put the date in my mind. And you, anybody could pick probably any date in the last hundred years. But I have picked, uh, I have picked November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. What happened on that day? That was the day Kennedy was murdered by our government. Wow. You know, by the CIA. Okay, so he's referring to George Santos and yes. he's saying the guy that was lying. And uh, it's like they don't even pretend anymore. They just nope. look you straight into the camera and just gaslight away. It's no different than what's going on down the street from us now. What did the Senate Republicans come out the other day and say? No, we're not helping you with property taxes. Nothing? Nope. Next question. Mm-hmm. So he picked a modern date of when Kennedy was assassinated as when a coup Began. Right. I could go back even a little further and pick when Rockefeller and Carnegie bought Theodore Roosevelt's seat as vice president. Yeah. I mean, they they opened up their bank account and bought the vice presidency. It ended up backfiring on them, but uh, you could you could go 
back pretty far to when a coup started. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, it's voicemails. We got so many voicemails on the property taxes, Casey. It yeah, ama- I bet a lot of people are upset. It amazes me that the Republicans will not do anything because this is clearly the number one thing on everybody's mind right now. And the Republicans in this state, the party that's supposed to be of low taxes and limited government, is doing nothing. It's yeah. amazing. It's on the way with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present Voicemails. Brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN. I'm so sorry you have just reached my answering machine. 1033 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Time to hear from you with your voicemails. Okay, uh, lots of calls on property taxes because while the Republicans in the Indiana General Assembly and the governor don't care at all, we do care about you. And so we'll get to those in just a moment. But first, we started the show by telling everyone that, yes, I am fully aware of the video that has surfaced in which some great undercover investigative reporter has various administrators across central Indiana school districts admitting we're doing critical race theory, we're hiding it from parents, we're manipulating so that parents don't get wind of this, we're calling it different things. Yes, I'm fully aware of that. I have seen it. And I saw it this morning. Is it a long video? No, it's not long. It's you know several minutes long. Um, Fox News, other people have covered it. And I have seen it, but I did not get proper time since I didn't see it until this morning mm-hmm. to prepare for the proper victory lap I deserve <laughs> to, because of course we've been telling you this for a long time on the show that this yeah. is happening, and uh, it because it is. And uh, so tomorrow, mm-hmm. just to let everybody know, tomorrow we are going to dedicate a sizable portion of the show, Tony Kennett, who was dismissed from his job for outing this, yeah. uh, will be with us. We're going to, Rob and Tony are going to take a big old victory lap tomorrow. So we will delve all into how local school districts are totally jamming, really disgusting, awful stuff down your kid's throat tomorrow. But somebody did call about it, so I wanted to play their voicemail. Hey, aloha, guys, and good morning. Uh, I'm a resident of Plainfield, Indiana, and I was unluckily enough last night to be watching Jesse Waters and uh, noticed that the CRT is spreading all once again through Plainfield. They got the hidden cameras on uh, superintendents and principals and stuff uh, all over our great state. I just want to give you guys a heads up. Maybe you can house these people on the air and uh, everybody show up to the next uh, school board meetings. Thanks. So two things with this. One, I was very surprised that Plainfield's a part of that because Plainfield has largely, at least publicly, and now we're seeing it's publicly, maybe it's not privately, tried to avoid, unlike places like Brownsburg and Avon and Carmel and Southeastern who have delved right into or dove right into, yeah, hey, we're woke and we're proud about it. Now, of course, Brownsburg then it was a disaster and then they had to lie about it afterwards but initially Plainfield had largely stayed out publicly of all that and uh, this video is not not flattering for them so we'll get into that uh tomorrow yes we are aware of it and he's right you have to come to the meetings people do not go to these school board meetings and this is why these people 
act with autonomy and they don't they're not worried about it and they're just blatant about it because nobody ever I'm not saying physically threatens them but politically mm-hmm. imposes any sort of threat to them is this an independent journalist or is this a parent do we know it's a, it's a, an independent group and then Fox News got it mm-hmm. and so we will play it tomorrow we'll tell you all about it okay. we're gonna have Tony Kennett on to talk about it yeah I just I didn't I wanted to get it digested and most importantly have enough time to prepare my celebratory victory speech okay. over being proven exactly right. Okay, okay, let's get into property taxes. Kev, let's just roll through them. Hey, so taxes. Wow. Just got my statement. Boone County here, uh, 24 point some percent. I'm not sure. what. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So I'm a poor man who's surrounded by million dollars houses and um, geez, I never thought I'd be this rich and not be able to afford my freaking house payment. Went up $200 a month last year. Uh, yeah, see what it is this year. Kind of sucks to be a regular guy. Thanks for all you do. He, well, he can contest that if he wants. <laughs> yeah, he could. He could use it. He could use it. So let's, when you say that, you can use your own time Mm -hmm. and your own resources Mm -hmm. and get your pay to get your own appraisal. Mm -hmm. And then you got to go in front of a board and it's intimidating and it's belittling. And even if your board is good, it's still intimidating because people are afraid of their government. And then there's no guarantee you're going to get a ruling in your favor. There's also no guarantee that they won't look at it and go, well, darn it, Mr. Smith, you're right. Mm-hmm. You were underappraised, and your oh, tax right. bill should go up. Co- could go the other way. And, of course, Travis Holdman says that county officials would have to presume that the original appraisal was correct. Yeah, well, Travis Holdman can kiss my ass because he's a terrible, awful person. And that was the nicest thing I could think that would allow me to k- keep my job. If he, Travis Holdman is your senator, you should be ashamed of yourself if you put that guy in office repeatedly because that guy is a joke and a a loser and a complete scumbag. All right, now what's next? Rob, you hit the nail on the head about how they are dismissive of our complaints about property taxes. They're just like, yeah, that sucks. Wish you the best. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of a famous scene in the Disney movie uh, that came out, I think it was like 20 years ago, the, called The Emperor's New Groove. Uh, the citizen of uh, this empire is complaining to the emperor's advisor about different things, including taxes. And finally, she just interrupts them and like, she's like, well, it's really no fault of mine that your family doesn't have, what, what were you talking about again? And he, the guy's like, food? And she's like, well, you really should have thought of that before becoming peasants. <laughs> and that's kind of how our current legislator treats us. They treat us like peasants and not like we're their bosses like we're supposed to be. You guys have a great day. Keep up the good work. Well, think about it. If you're a legislator... It's not that big of a deal to you because you get between sixty and $75,000 a year mm-hmm. for your part-time job that you don't do very well. And clearly, they don't put any work into it. They don't read. They don't know what's going on. You don't have to work your Fridays. You don't work your weekends. Right. So, for you, yeah, okay. And by the, and if you're in the house, you just gave yourself $1.5 million of, of potential raises coming up. Right. So. And that's what I was asking Jim Merritt earlier. Like, do they not know? Are they so out of touch with reality, with normal, everyday Hoosiers that they just, they don't get it? They don't see it? I mean, that one guy called and said his property tax bill raised 24%. Nigel just stepped in the studio, got his, said his was raised by 10.8%. 
They, but they do get it. They don't care. They this just is, don't care. This is what people need to realize. They know these people down the street from us, the time for talking is over. The time for reasonable negotiation with these people is over. The time of trying to get through to them is over. If you see them out, not to be maxing waters here, but peacefully get up and get in their business and tell them what's going on. Obey all applicable laws, but make sure they know how much you know they suck and you're going to bounce them out. If you see them at the Walmart, if you see them at the Wendy's, if you see them at the hardware store, the time for playing nice is over, people. These legislators, these Republicans, they hate you. You've got to start hating them as much as they hate you because they are willing to steal your stuff forever and ever and ever. What's next? Hey, I uh, just wanted to mention, uh, I just listened to your conversation about uh, how uh, Carmel has turned blue, voted for Joe Biden. So many of these uh, uh, suburban areas have turned uh, blue uh, because of the, the, the exodus of the cities and the blue Democrat cities. I believe it's, it's all strategic. I think the Democrats are making our cities uninhabitable and crime-ridden to drive people out of cities, drive them into the suburbs to change the voting demographic. Let me know what you think about this, but I think it's intentional. I think it's working, and I think that's why you see so many nice, stable, red areas, suburbs, uh, go blue. It's intentional, it's planned, um, and it's working. Hey, I love your show. Rob, you're awesome. Casey, love you. Bye. <laughs> uh, it's, it's an interesting, interesting theory, yeah, isn't it? it? It is. I mean, It's a hot take. Well, and, and unfortunately, and we've seen it with the states, and now you see it with the cities mm -hmm. where people bring their – there's no law that says you can't bring your crappy politics with you. Like, I look at my, my town of Brownsburg where I live now. I don't – it is nothing – and I'm not trying to be old man yells at clouds here. So I'm not saying, when I was a child, the world was a better place. It was, but I'm not trying to do that. What I'm saying is even from 10 years ago – I'm not talking about 30 years ago when I was a little boy. Obviously, towns grow. I don't think anybody's under the delusion that towns aren't going to grow. But even from 10 years ago, even from seven years ago when I got out of the local government – it's it looks nothing like the town I grew up in. It looks nothing like the town did even seven years ago. And that's not a growth thing. It's you have changed the identity of the community. There is nothing about where I live now that you would say this town is fill in the blank. It's just a bunch of places with uh, it's a, just a place with a bunch of unconnected people in high density home, home, home developments and a warehouse in every corner. And that's happening all over the place. They are changing. And as part of that, the people moving out there are bringing their politics with them. And so nothing is what it once was. And people moved somewhere because it was what it was and they liked what it was. Well, you know, Indianapolis is not what it once was. Everybody knows that for 25 years, I lived in Granger, Indiana, which is northern Indiana. And coming down to Indianapolis was always something special because you had the restaurants and you had the shopping and Monument Circle. And it was just it was the big city and it was coming down to the capital. And now that I live here. It's different than yeah. what it used to be. People ask me all the time, hey, so what's it like living in Indianapolis? And I tell them, well, you know, I play a little game, gunshot <laughs> or firework. I go from garage to garage. And even you, like, you're not going to walk to Lucas Oil Stadium. You have parking downtown. No, I'm not going to walk. It's not what it used to be. So, I mean, th th that caller has a point. Yeah. What, one more voicemail. Let's see what they have to say. Hey, Rob, Casey, love you guys. Yeah, uh, you got to talk about property taxes. I just got my bill today, or uh, yesterday, 
and my property taxes went up 91 percent. What? From like 800 and something, 900 and something a year to 18, almost 1900 a year, 91 percent. I don't know how that's even legal. Well, remember, but and it sounds ludicrous, but remember when we were reading, it's been a year, Republicans had a year to do something about this. When we were reading those assessed values on the air, I was telling you at the time, I was saying, look, based on those assessed values, these people's property taxes, some of them will be going up 70, 80 mm-hmm. percent. So it doesn't surprise me at all, especially if you've got a school referendum in there, too, that your taxes could easily go up that much. It's, a, it's, it's beyond a crisis at this point. And I, I don't know what's, I don't know what's going to happen, Casey. I really worry about a lot of the older people. I worry mm-hmm. about a lot well, of the fixed the, income people. I worry about they them. can't move and they can't stay. Yeah, yeah. Where are you going to move to? Let's say you sold your home for the supposed immense profit you're going to cash in on. Unless you're moving in with your mom and your dad. Yeah. Where are you going to go? Well, any, any if you're pl- talking about an older person, they are the mom and dad. Well, exactly. You're right. Yeah, 100%. Or the grandma. Uh, speaking of old people, granddad. Hammer's coming up next. <laughs> it's 93 WIBC. with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Hammer joins us in the studio. I like the t-shirt you're wearing today. It's a play like a champion today t-shirt. I like Notre Dame, right? Because I'm a Tennessee Vols fan, but I'm okay with Notre Dame. I've always said college football is better when Notre Dame matters, brings attention. (laughs) Um, And I got this shirt being a total tourist Mm -hmm. last time I was up at South Bend. Uh, We had a travel baseball tournament up there. We played at Notre Dame's field. Frank X Stadium. That's it. And a beautiful field. Like, it's amazing. And... We had a Saturday where we had an open, you know, afternoon and we're walking around the campus, you know, just looking at all the statues and touchdown Jesus and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So we made it to the football stadium. There was a couple getting married at Notre Dame football stadium and the bride and the groom were getting introduced coming out of the tunnel, like Rudy leading the group coming out Mm -hmm. and their names are on the jumbotron. And as cool as that was, I started thinking, Damn, how much did that cost? How much was that? <laughs> Holy mother yeah. of all that's pure. How much does it cost to book Notre Dame Stadium for your wedding reception? I can't even imagine. I, You know, the hard part would also be getting on the waiting list to make that happen. True. I mean, I guess if you've got the, the fundage, yeah. you mean, sure, the basilica, to get married in the Basilica, they have like a two-year wait for that. No way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I bet if you're somebody that's got a lot of zeros next to their mm-hmm. bank account, it's magic how you could just jump some of the names right. on that list. Just suddenly, <laughs> your name goes to the top of the list. Mr. Musk, a opening has occurred for this Saturday. I wonder if they're still married, the people that you saw. I mean, it's only been a year, so boy, Hopefully. they'd have to be a total dumpster fire yeah. if not. Yeah. I mean... But could be, but I thought it was really cool. Like, they had their names on the Jumbotron. Mm-hmm. So that takes multiple people to work, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's not just renting the facility. You've got a banquet staff, because there's tables all set out around the concession area. Mm-hmm. And then they run out of the tunnel and the end zone, and they get introduced. So you need a PA person. Mm-hmm. You need somebody to run the scoreboard. Uh, the lights were still on at this point. That had to have been somebody that was tied to the university, somebody's kid who worked there. Yeah, I have no idea. Because I don't I, think that's offered to just anybody. Ron Paulus's kid. Remember him, Rob? <laughs> yes, yes, Ron Paulus, quarterback. Uh, 
remember the the best the best Notre Dame stadium thing ever though is in Rudy when Ned Beatty shows up to the <laughs> oh, stadium. No. This is the most beautiful thing these guys have ever seen, and his wife is standing. His there. wife and his kids. And his kids. <laughs> You're getting ready to that watch, is- you know, <laughs> a football game with your family, and Rudy hasn't even came out yet, mm-hmm. and he's just looking around. This is the most beautiful thing my eyes have ever seen. And then the brother rolls his eyes. That is my most hated line in any movie ever. Yeah, I knew you'd hate it because you're a woman and you yeah, don't get it. Being, no, Ned Beatty. Come on, yeah. this is the most beautiful sight these eyes have ever seen. I mean, I love the movie Rudy, and we've talked to Rudy. We've had Rudy on the yeah. show before, and even Rudy will tell the real you, Rudy. Yeah, the real Rudy, Daniel Rudiger. Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah, they took a lot of liberties yeah. with that story. You ever thought about Hollywood what, magic? What it would be like if they made a, li- a movie of your life. Well, man, <laughs> we'd be lifting him on our shoulders, carrying carrying him out of much the WIBC like, studio. Much like the film Rudy, I think Vince Vaughn would play me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. And a skinny, very fit Vince Vaughn in Rudy. Yes. A lot of people don't realize listed that. in the credits as Vincent Vaughn. <laughs> was he really? Yeah, he was the uh, entitled kid that was in the backfield that Rudy tackled really hard in the final practice, mm-hmm. and he gets all ticked off. <laughs> this a hole thinks it's the Super Bowl, and the coach makes fun of Vince Vaughn. I love, and the thing I love is that movie was 30 years ago, and Vince Vaughn, even 30 years ago, was delivering, he delivers every line exactly the same. There's just <laughs> nothing has changed for him, and you want to laugh when you see him in that movie, because he's delivering lines the same way he is in The Wedding Crashers. He's always the same guy. Mm-hmm. I like Vince Vaughn movies. You don't see a lot of them anymore, really. But he went through a string there where yeah. it was good thing after the other. You had Old School, yeah. uh, The Wedding Crashers. Yeah. Uh, I liked some Vince Vaughn films. Yeah, he was in that movie with Jennifer Aniston. Where they, they fought? Where they go to... Wedding the ba- couple couples retreat. Yeah, well, the one where they go to the baseball game at Wrigley Field mm-hmm. and they're, they're buddies. Yeah, he had a... Isn't that weird? So it's like Ben Stiller was that way for a while where he had a, a string of hits, Will Ferrell was, and then it's Sandler. But oh, after, Jim Carrey. Like, he's a complete lunatic now, you know, because he, he's painting pictures of, like, Trump being, you know, killed and things. But there was a time where, like, one movie right after yeah. the other, from Ace Ventura to Dumb and Dumber to Liar Liar, I mean, one right after the other was a hit. Do they just stop because we get tired of them? Because they're not actors. They're just relatively funny people. So after you've seen three or four of them... It's the same character over and over again. But how do people like Tom Cruise and Meryl Streep keep coming out with hit after hit, but the window of, like, Nicolas Cage was only a couple of years? Yeah, but they're kind of the, the storylines. Like, the, the they just, like, with Adam Sandler, after, say, The Waterboy, because you had Happy Gilmore, The Waterboy, Wedding Singer, what was the... Uh, Big Daddy. Big, well, what was the, what was the, Billy Madison? Yeah. Those first four or five... But it's all kind of just him and his buddies with just various stupid plots. They come up with a plot. Now Adam Sandler is in an 80s wig singing. Maybe they made their money and decided that's enough. But I will say this for the silly movies that like Sandler puts out. There's not some sort of political message shoved down your throat. And I think honestly, that was a big part of Top Gun Maverick when that movie made a billion dollars or whatever because they didn't shove some sort of political message down your throat. It was a throwback to old school Hollywood actors making a big budget movie with cool effects. Best line of any Adam Sandler movie ever is in The Wedding Singer where he's uh, getting his his buddies trying to be the limo driver for the wedding (laughs) (laughs) and he's making him go through all these just gymnastics obstacle courses and, and he breaks the record time and there's a cub cap flying off his car and he goes... 
You hit two cones. <laughs> Those could have been people at her wedding. <laughs> they were cones. <laughs> How awesome would it be to be just a friend of Sandler? Yeah. Because he is your sugar daddy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Some of these guys aren't even funny stand-up comics. Yeah. But they've they're just got, buddies. They're just buddies with it'd Sandler. Like, it'd be like what I've been doing for you with you for years. <laughs> Rob Kendall, he's not even a good broadcaster. He's just Hammer's buddy. <laughs> What's coming up this afternoon? Well, you... My buddy oh, yeah. is going to come on with me, yeah. and we're going to go off the rails. Thanks, Hammer. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.